Revelation chapter 20. As we're getting near the end of this book, we're also time-wise getting near to the end of time, although it's going to be another thousand years before time will be no more from Revelation chapter 20. Revelation 20 talks about the rule and reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. And it says in verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Of course, the word and is a conjunction. Really, this is a continual narrative of chapter 19. Uh, And we talked about the battle of Armageddon. So anyway, verse 2 says, And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is the devil, and to Satan, and bind him a thousand years, cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years." But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth, and compassed the camp of the saints about, and beloved city. Fire came down from God out of heaven, and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and that shall be tormented day and night forever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. They were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So tonight we're looking at the rule and reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you thank you again for the opportunity we have to uh, assemble together and to sing praises and to worship you and testify of your grace and your love and mercies to us. Thank you for your word. I pray you should help us as we look into the word of God tonight, that we be encouraged and challenged and strengthened in our walk with you, and that we might be a people prepared for the glorious return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, having on his wedding garment the garment of righteousness of Jesus Christ our Lord, that we may have eternal life. So just pray you bless and um, give wisdom in handling your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, You know, this is, as I mentioned, this is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Uh, Really, uh, begun in chapter 19, uh, you know, it identifies who... Uh, is is 
going to rule and reign. Of course, that is Christ, and he is identified as the true or the faithful and true one, and his name is called the Word of God. And we know Jesus, that's the name of Christ. Uh, it's a continual narrative of, of chapter 19. Uh, the reign is also a literal thousand years. Thousand is mentioned six times in chapter 20. Verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, and verse 6, and verse 7. There's no reason to spiritualize that. There's no indication that it is anything other than literal. It doesn't say, you know, as a thousand years. It says a thousand years. There's many who try and spiritualize this. You know, again, we take a what we call a pre-millennial position. You know, that, and the millennium is that is, is a thousand. So we're, we're referring to the thousand-year reign of Christ. And we believe that the Lord is coming at the beginning or he will come and set up that thousand-year reign of Christ. It is his. Um, he is the conqueror. He's the one that's going to conquer the armies of the nations led by the Antichrist, spelled out for us in chapter 19. And, and he will have complete victory he will have victory over the beast and the false prophet, which the beast, of course, is the Antichrist, and the devil himself, the deceiver and accuser of the brethren, and he will be put in a pit and confined there for that thousand years. Verse 3 tells us that very clearly. So this is a, thousand, a literal thousand-year reign of Christ. Uh, and I want you to notice several things about this. First of all, the character of his reign in, and and an interesting thing is, here in Revelation, it doesn't, it doesn't give us very many details. It just kind of states it as happening and kind of passes on about this reign. Uh, it says in verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. They shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand Years. So it says it's going to be, you know, we're going to be blessed, and, and the, the holy is he that hath part in this. But again, very few details are given. And I think there's a reason for that, because the details are given in other passages of Scripture. And so, you know, John isn't taken up with time with that. For example, look at Isaiah chapter 2 and verses 2 through 4, and, and we'll see some of the character of this reign of Christ. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. And all nations, notice, all nations shall flow unto it. And we know from other passages of Scripture, he's talking here about Jerusalem. The Lord's, that's where the Lord's house is going to be. And the temple is going to be rebuilt. Ezekiel talks about that temple, the third temple. It says, And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations, shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation any more, neither shall they learn war any more. So, so the nations, you know, you know, the nations here, what's telling us here is the nations will go to Jerusalem 
to be taught the law of God. Nations are going to go to Jerusalem. How do they view Jerusalem today? Nations of the world hate it. They hate Jerusalem. They hate Israel. But the Bible tells us here that the nations are going to flow into it and they're going to say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and he will teach us the law of God. Of course, the person that's going to teach them is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And I believe that the saints will be involved in that, but, but uh, there'll be a certain amount of involvement in that because we're going to rule and reign with him. But they're going to go to Jerusalem to be taught the law of God. And they will not learn war. There will be no war. They're going to turn their, their swords into plowshares. You know, this, the United Nations has, I think it's this verse or another verse similar to this on, on their sign uh, or some emblem they have in the United Nations building. And it quotes this verse. Well, they do not know how to turn swords into plowshares. But the Lord Jesus Christ, when he sets up his kingdom, men are going to turn their swords into plowshares. Because they're not going to be taught war. Because his reign is going to be a reign of righteousness and peace. And they won't lift up the sword against each other anymore. They'll have no reason to. Look at Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah speaks a lot about the thousand year reign of Christ and what it's going to be like. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 4. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove the, with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And the little child shall lead them and the cow and the bear shall feed their young ones shall lie down together, and the lions shall eat straw like the ox, and the sucking child shall play in the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be, notice this, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. How do the waters cover the sea? Well, they cover it completely. And the Bible says here the, the earth is going to be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Everyone is going to know and have knowledge of the Lord. Verse 10 says, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Well, this is going to be a glorious time. Like the earth, only once knew and that was in the Garden of Eden. You see, these conditions that he's describing here are going to be like the Garden of Eden. The lamb and the lion or the lamb and the wolf shall lay down together. The cow and the bear shall feed together, lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. Uh, Edenic conditions. Uh, Jeremiah 23 Verses 5 and 6. Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. Again, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, Israel shall dwell safely, and this is his name whereby he shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. You know, Judah and Israel is going to dwell safely safely during that time. 
they're not safe today. They're constant. Their their livelihood requires constant vigilance against the... I remember... uh, listening to a speech, part of a speech by Benjamin Netanyahu. And he said, we can't allow attack. We have to have the preemptive strike because we are so small. If we lose that opportunity of the first strike, we're lost. You see, they're not at peace today. They're not in rest. But in that day, they will be rest. And of course, Psalm, the whole Psalm 72 is about this time. So it's going to be a rain like we know nothing about. Like the garden of it. The conditions of the earth will be like the, the, the garden Eden. Even there will be the restoration to the Eden type topography and geography. In Isaiah 35, uh, the whole chapter again speaks of this. And it talks about uh, the. Uh, uh, well, let me read some of it. Uh, for example, Isaiah 35, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. The desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. Do, bloss- do deserts blossom? No. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. You see, part of the curse is we have deserts. The earth does not yield its fruit as it should or did. But when the Lord sets up His reign... You know, the, the, the topography of, and the geography of the earth is going to be changed. You know, one, t- one place, and I'm not sure if it's in here, and I don't got time to read all this, but one, one scripture talks about all the mountains will be, be, be fled away. Uh, you know, so, so really all the earth will be habitable. You know, there are places on this earth you couldn't, you can't, you can't live there. I hear few months ago, you know, when I turn on my computer, there's these scenes that, and then, you know, after you, uh, it says, would you like to see more? And sometimes, you know, they're very, very uh, rugged-like scenes, and one of them, I clicked on it, so I see more. And there's this place off the coast of, of uh, I think it's eastern Russia, that is so desolate and, and so wild and rough that people cannot live there. It's mostly because of the violent storms, there's violent storms, and the winters are so severe. Yet, but the only thing that lived there is birds and bears. And even, you know, here just not too long ago, there was such a cataclysmic thing happened there that there was such a great flood that bears were killed in the process. And because of the destruction of, of some of the topography and the, the, the plants on the, that bears couldn't survive. You know, that's the part of the curse of the earth. There's places that cannot be inhabited. But there will be no inhabitable parts then. One one commentator said this, The violent earthquakes and upheavals which have leveled all the polluted cities of the sinful world. This is going to take to during you know this could take place during the tribulation. There's going to be you're going to be great earthquakes. You know when when Jesus comes, there's going to be a great earthquake in Jerusalem, and and it's, that's, he's going to set his feet, and it's going to split the Mount of Olives. The Bible says it's going to split, and there'll be a great earthquake. But anyway, it says the earthquakes and upheavals will have leveled all the polluted cities of the sinful world to better facilitate the erection of a new, clean, and peaceful 
communities at the beginning of the millennium. These great land movements will also have eliminated the great mountain ranges and islands of the world, filling up the ocean depths and restoring gentle, globally habitable topography and geography all over the world. As it had been in the, at the, develop, the, the Diluvian age that was prior to the flood, before the cataclysmic upheavals of the great deluge or the flood, unquote. So this is going to be this restitution or restoration of Eden, and this is going to be the, the character of the earth during his reign. But I want you to notice also, and I'm running out of time here, so I'm not going to do all this tonight, but we notice also the resurrection, or the resurrected saints shall rule with him. In verse uh, 4, um, he talks about that. Before I get to that, you know, saints, let me mention this first. Saints and sinners are resurrected at different times. In fact, a thousand years. Uh, the saints, some of the saints are going to be resurrected at this time, the tribulation saints. Of course, the saints that are now living today have already been resurrected or raptured prior to the tribulation. So they're already in heaven, and they come back with the Lord in chapter 19 to the battle of Armageddon, and then to, they will rule and reign with him. But, of course, the tribulation saints. So the Bible talks about you know, the resurrection of the, of, the, of the just and the unjust. So they happen at different times. Uh, and, of course, the resurrection to life, or as, as it's called in, in John 5, 29... Uh, there's a resurrection of life and resurrection of damnation. Uh, the resurrection of, to life is based upon one of giving, on one giving his life to Christ. You know, it's based on a right knowledge of Jesus Christ, a biblical understanding of self, uh, and 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 understanding that we are wicked, hell-deserving sinners, and then choosing by faith to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior or, or deliverer from sin. And so, it, it, again, it is an act of uh, choice that we choose to receive Christ as the Lord and Savior. And these resurrected or raptured saints uh, from this age and time will return to earth with him, uh, spoken of in Revelation chapter 19, verse 14, where it says, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, clean and white. So, so that will be the... The, 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 age, the, the saints from the age of grace who have either died or are raptured at the rapture will return with him. And then the tribulation saints, tribulation, the martyr tribulation saints, spoken of also in chapter 4, where it says in the last half of that verse, And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image nor had received his mark upon their foreheads, or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So this is very clearly speaking about the tribulation saints who have been martyred during the tribulation period, and they're going to be resurrected. Remember we saw them uh, in Revelation chapter 6, I think it was, under the altar crying, Lord, how long do you avenge our blood upon them that dwell on the earth? And of course, here they're resurrected, and, and you know, Paul refers to them in 1 Corinthians 15 as the end ones. But together, we and they uh, will be resurrected, will be there to rule and reign with him. And again, the Bible speaks of this in other places. For example, in Daniel 7, verse 22, 
It says, until the ancients of days came, and that's speaking about Christ, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. And he's, what he's saying here is the saints are going to take control. What, you know, the, the, the ancient day is going to come, and he's going to give it to give him and to the saints. And we are going to rule and reign with Christ over the kingdoms of this world. Matthew 19, in, in Matthew 19, Jesus, you know, Peter asked, you know, Lord, we have, we have left all to follow thee. What, you know, and basically said, well, what do we get? What do we have? He said, we have forsaken all. What shall we have therefore? Verse 27. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, and the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. And so, we are going to rule and reign with him. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, you know, they were taking each other to law. And he, 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 uh, Rebuke them for it. In, uh, in 1 Corinthians 6, in verse 1, he says, Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? So if, you, if you've got a, a, a civil matter or disagreement in the church, you're not supposed to take it to the, to, the, to the civil courts. You're supposed to take care of it in the church. You're supposed to judge in the church. He says, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? You know, if we're going to be judging the world, we ought to be able to judge our own problems, our own disagreements in the church. That's where they're to be taken care of. Between brethren in the same church. You know, it doesn't mean you can't take somebody to court. It means you don't take your brother from the same church to court. It ought to be decided first in the church. Of course, if they don't hear the church, you vote them out of the church. And then you can take them to court. Um, you know, but the point is, we are going to rule and reign with Christ. Because we've been resurrected by Him to rule and reign with Him. Of course, Revelation 5.10 speaks of this as well. So, so this, is a, this is a literal thousand-year rule and reign with Christ, and we are uh, uh, rule and reign of Lord Jesus Christ, and we are going to rule and reign with Him. If we are truly born again. That's the qualifier. You know, as... Our brother Chapman mentioned this morning, you know, it is God who is going to be our judge. It will be he who will decide how we end. You know, there's a parable in Matthew 22, verses 1 through 3, 13, of a king who 
at a wedding for his daughter and invited many guests, and they wouldn't come. So he sent his servants out into the highways and the hedges and invited anyone who come in. And the servants went out and they invited all, everyone that would to come in. And, and so, the, so the wedding was filled with guests. And then the king comes in. He finds a man without a wedding garment, a guest without a wedding garment. The interesting thing is the guest without the garment got into the wedding the servants let him into the wedding without the garment. But when the king came, he discerned he didn't have a wedding garment. You see, the king is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we can't always discern whether people are born again, but Jesus can. And see, we're going to have to stand before him. He will discern our true state. Whether that wedding garment speaks of the righteousness of Christ applied to my account. See, have you been made righteous by Christ or are you trusting in your own righteousness? You, are you ready? Are you ready to be examined by him? You know, there will be no escaping the eye of him with whom we have to do. So the question is, do you truly have the life of God abiding in you? Are you prepared for that second coming of Christ? Will you rule and reign with him? Or will you end up at the great white throne judgment to be cast? You know, he took that one without the wedding garment and he cast him out. Where will you be? Let's pray.